Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, rugby fans. Welcome to another episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside my colleagues. Of course, you know them, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, Scott the Big Guy Ferrari himself, and joining us here, MLR Royalty. We have Anthony Parry from the Rugby United Group and also HPM High Performance Management. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ty. Rob, Scott, great to see you guys. I see I didn't get the memo about your uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all, all thanks to uh, the rugby shop, by the way. And, of course, that actually reminds me, I need to let everybody know who's tuning in here on the Rugby Rant that October is, of course, the month for breast cancer awareness. Us, alongside all the other MLR teams, are working with the rugbyshop.com to be able to bring forth uh, a line of merch that is, of course, focused on giving back to these charities that help breast cancer awareness and also go towards the research. So if you happen to enjoy what we have here, they've all got some cool sayings on them. Make sure you go to the rugbyshop.com to be able to get your own and it goes towards charity in part. So with that in mind, this episode is what we're here to be able to tackle and the topics at hand are important to note that have been chosen by you as the MLR fan on board the MLR Fan Zone group on Facebook and what came out tops on the poll was first up, who are the top players that have been signed to the MLR so far? And then in addition to that, coming into the latter part of our episode here, we're going to be talking about the best rugby stadiums in Major League Rugby for 2021. Now, gentlemen, these, of course, are both great topics. We're going to start off with the first one, which is talking about the top players. Now, again, for those of you that are familiar with how this works, you'll know that each of these gentlemen only have two minutes to be able to rant about the topic at hand, put forth their best case, and at the end of this episode, we'll find out who has made the greatest points, offered the greatest to the contribution of the conversation, and they'll be crowned the winner of this particular rant. Now, before we start, it is also good to note that Chris Robshaw is off limits. You can't say him. We all know it's a great signing. Move on. Because <laughs> I know, like, whoever was first up to bat would be like, Robshaw, Robshaw, Robshaw. 
<laughs> it is right. Obviously, to have uh, you know royalty, rugby royalty, come and join San Diego Legion. If you're not familiar, you have definitely not been following Major League Rugby if you don't know that's news already. So we're going to count only those people that have been transferred to a new team, one they have yet to play for, right. and somebody who is new to the league entirely. So with that understood, gentlemen, we're going to hand it over to Rob Hammerschmidt to give us his first rent. And my friend, your two minutes start now. Okay, awesome. So first of all, let me say I'm not trying to be a homer here, but my first pick is JP, JP Duplessis from NOLA. What a great signing by NOLA. Grabbed him from San Diego. Um, 29 years old, good size. He was a 2019 back of the year. He played 18 games. So it's important to note that he's a, he's a real durable guy too, in spite of being, you know, close to 30, he had 145 carries that year, 1,118 meters carried seven tries, 214 tackles, only 23 missed tackles. His super rugby experience speak for itself. Um, you know, involvement in France, um, the Curry cup experience, and for me, I think that this was key. His midfield decision-making can get the ball to some dangerous wings, namely Capiello and uh, Julian Widmer, right? You need somebody to be able to be that linchpin to get the wings, uh, the ball, and he can do that, uh, and he can slice through defenses. My second pick from OGDC, Jamie Deaver, 27 years old. So he's that ripe age for a prop. He's learned enough, but he's not so young, uh, old that he's been beat up. Good size, has some great experience from Ireland, um, U20s and Connacht. He's played in the MLR before, um, and he's and and I. This is why I picked him because OG was expected to have a great scrum last season, but they in a lot of matches were going backwards. They need a guy like him to anchor that scrum. And finally, uh, Bjorn Basson uh, from San Diego, JP uh, went to NOLA. Uh, Bjorn, while long in the tooth, has a wide variety of experience. And if the SAFA connection can be made between he and Joe Peterson, that chemistry can be uh, used to its advantage. They can be a de- make for a dangerous team. Look at that. That's how you do it in under two minutes. Action-packed right. comments there. I like it, Rob. So let's dissect some of that there. Okay. Well, I had to take the I had to take the opposition out of the equation. I don't want him talking the ref into any kind of penalties. <laughs> right. Here. Okay. So instead, you just say that the uh, the ref is easily persuaded. Okay. <laughs> so okay, let's rewind a little bit. JP Duplessis, great experience, wonderful signing, moving across to uh, a new team, but yet with uh, MLR experience. You said 18 games, right? Yeah. So you're talking about a guy that's, I mean, obviously the league itself is still fairly new, but with that in mind, to have 18 games under your belt is already the bulk of the rugby played at that level in this country. So you could say that they're a part of the veterans of the league. So it's great experience that comes with that in addition to all the international experience. And that's kind of the theme that it seemed stayed with a lot of your picks was bringing in great experience. Uh, a little long in the tooth, as you said, with Bjorn Busson. Uh, there's a guy that had many years uh, in South Africa. And that also brings me to my next point. There's a bit of a South African wave of players that have come over. It's like, yeah. you know, uh, and you open up the door and is for one, and then everybody's like, "Hey, let me bring my buddies." <laughs> well, I didn't realize it when I did some more research on him. He had ten caps for South Africa from twenty ten right. to twenty thirteen. Although they had large gaps in between. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So it wasn't ten in a season. No. You know, no. I mean, you only have about ten or twelve internationals in the season. So, yes, it was off and on and. While that being said, he was a solid roster player, 
wasn't necessarily your starting. But there's great value in still bringing that to a team here in the U.S., as the same can be said for a lot of your other picks there as well. So good, solid opening there from Rob Hammerschmidt. Let's swing it over the shoulder to Scott, the big guy. Let's see what you've got. All right, everybody, let's get hot, baby. So my first pick is actually, I'm, this is, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Two, two out of my three picks are Homer picks because they're Rooney guys. Um, actually, the first is, is a former Rooney guy, Mike Brown, being signed to the Dallas Jackals. Um, everybody knows the Butchers at Rooney. That's a big shadow to play under. Um, Mike played under it for two years. He started two games in 2019. I think he played like 170 minutes, um, believe seven or eight matches. He scored once, uh, made a bunch of tackles, and and – and learned a lot. And actually, going into 2020, I heard that he was going to be playing more to, to spell Butch so that he wasn't playing 80 minutes every match. Um, he In 2020, he ended up picking off a ball against Houston and running it into to, to ice the game, believe it or not. I think he's going to he's gonna be the starter there uh, at, at Hook uh, in Dallas. Um, no doubt about it. Um, he's going to get under Butch's shadow. Not that it's a, it's a bad thing to be under. He learned a lot from Butch, but it's time for him to be his own man. The second guy I'm going to talk about Connor Buckley, Rooney signed Connor Buckley. We talked about Connor Buckley during our draft uh, pre-show. And then during the draft, um, Rooney traded away their draft picks. Connor Buckley wasn't signed. Boom. Connor Buckley is a pick. He's going to be playing a lot this year. Um, they're going to get him experience quick. Uh, he knows the system. He knows guys. He's played with guys like Anthony before. Um, so he already has some comfortability there to not only learn, but grow and, and move on. The third player I'm going to go with is, uh, the milkman, Steve McLeish. So he was, he was, uh, my boy. That is my boy. That's, that's Rob's boy. Um, it, it, and the thing is he, w- he was, uh, drafted by the LA Giltinis in for the 22nd pick, which was actually the pick that Nola traded, uh, for foreign player spots, which I found interesting because recently he was traded back to Nola. Um, and what happened was when he was traded back to Nola, some cap space opened up and what'd that do? It helped Nola get JP Duplessis. So in, in getting a young guy, a young hooker, and, and I think he's back row, depending on where they want to put him. Um, it opened up to get JP Duplessis this season. So not only do you get a young player who you can mold, a guy who wanted to be at Nola, you also get JP Duplessis. Excellent. Yeah. So a little over your two minutes, but solid points, and I'll allow it. Show him the cheese. Advantage, advantage Show him play. the cheese. Advantage play, bum. Okay, disappointing. Oh, uh, but okay, so I like the angle that you took on that one, Scott. Whereas you know, typically, if somebody had to be able to hear that the topic is top player side, what are they thinking about? They are thinking about the Rob Shaw. They're thinking about these marquee players. They're thinking about these guys that already have the pedigree of super rugby. Uh, you know, the list can go on. But you went a different direction. You went for, okay, well, let's look at the vision. Okay, we got young players that are signed in McLeish, uh, Buckley, right? These are guys that are going to be the next generation. So you spoke about that. You're saying, okay, Yes, they have a role to be able to play. Yes, there is great value. It might not be seen right away because not necessarily will they be starting players. Could they be from any of the games? Absolutely. And, but sorry to interrupt, but Mike Brown, I still feel is one of those players because he didn't get the chance to show what he could do because of playing behind Butcher. Um, He did get loaned out in 2018 and he played for the AGs or Austin Elite as they were known back then. And he did get a lot of match time for them. Um, But again, as a hooker, you need to be starting. You need to be getting those in those lineout throws early. And I think he, he fits into my, my, my theme. Right. There. 
Well, will he be dividing time with Chad Goff? I mean, Dallas got Goff too. I, I, if if for me, I think Mike has the tenaciousness to beat him out. I think they'll figure out a way to play both of them at the same time. Actually, I think you know Chad has some experience in you know playing eight man and as a loose forward. And and Mike, Mike, honestly, he brings a lot to the table, like you said, Scott. You know, he finished off that Houston game for us this year which was amazing how he came out of nowhere and, and grabbed the ball uh, turnover. We score uh, with the leprechaun there uh, <laughs> icing the game. Um, and then also when we lost to San Diego, you know, he had a, a, a very key turnover at the end of the game. Uh, he, I played with Mike for a, a few seasons now um, with Nyack and with Rooney, and he really does have a knack to make those big plays. Um, and I think we're going to be see the best version of him as well this year. So I think it's a very, very good signing as well. Well, I mean, that's what you need. You need the guys that can that can make those plays when you need it most and somewhat a little unpredictable, right? Because they can spark some magic when you need it most. Um, now, I want to circle back around to a point that Scott did also make in terms of playing 80 minutes, right? You know, how important is it? And I'll throw this one back to Scott just for a moment so there is a difference in opinion is that when you do look to be able to bring in a new player that you should start. And as rug- modern rugby has gone is you need players that can play a full 80. Um, but you also need to be able to have that strength and bench is the other uh, approach. So what would be your, your thought process in choosing these guys that you chose and how it fits into that uh, philosophy? Well, especially again, going back to Mike Brown is, is having that experience at hooker. As as you get to the end of the game, you want your throws to be straight. You know, it could be it could be the the you know do or die moment where you need to get a line out straight. The mall has to come together. The guy at the back of that mall is going to be the hooker. And if you're running into eighty minutes back to back to back to back games, and you're maybe playing a schedule like Rooney, where your first eight games, well, maybe not in twenty twenty one, but maybe going back to twenty twenty two, if we have our regular start time, are eight away games. I can only imagine the pressure that a guy would be under to make all those perfect throws. So to have a guy like Mike Brown on Rooney that you know you could have thrown it, you could throw in there at, let's say, you know, with 10 minutes left, if somebody was running out of gas just to make a throw, he could do it. But also there's a rhythm there. If you don't start the match, you might not get that rhythm. So I think it has those those pros and cons. Right. So to that point, you know, you got to make sure you win lineouts, crucial element in the game. The other crucial element is scrum. So I'm going to actually, before we hand it over to Anthony, and I'm sorry for the disruption in the normal pattern of flow here, but I wanted to circle back around to a point that uh, Rob had made about OG not winning a lot more of their scrums, which is an interesting point because when we talk about top player signings, yes, we're referencing 2021, but in 2020, it was Beast Matata Wira, who, of course, is a World Cup winner with the uh, Springboks in 2019 and, of course, plays in the scrum. So what is your thoughts uh, in that regard, circling back around to the importance of scrums and why you chose somebody that is pivotal in that role? Well, that's one of the reasons why I selected him because there are they are not going to be able to draw the experience on the experience of um, of Tundai, right? Um, they they have a hole there, an experience hole that D, that uh, Deaver can fill. They have some young guys at the proposition that definitely need somebody that to to um, be be a guide, be be a mentor to help them develop their scrum technique so that they can improve moving forward. So um, those were two of the reasons why I selected him, because I really think he could have a positive impact, not just uh, immediately uh, on the games, but also long-term on the development of some young props that they have in their, uh, on their um, roster. Good points. So let's talk about the next points over here with Anthony Parry. The floor is yours for the next two minutes. 
Okay. Uh, thanks for the time. Uh, I would start by saying Yo- uh, uh, Atlanta signing Jonas Petropoulos. That's a hard name to pronounce. <laughs> um, but I played with him this year for uh, Rugby United in 2020, and he's heading down to Atlanta 2021. Um, I think it's a great signing because he's a very, very young prop, but he's a big guy. He has a lot of potential. He's been playing the game a long time. Uh, he's played uh, for several months in South Africa, actually, and he lived uh, for 18 months in New Zealand playing with uh, the steamers out there. So he has he knows the game extremely well for a young American prop. He has the size and the athletic ability. He's a very active around the park. Uh, in the games he got time with Rooney, he uh, – he was really above average with the amount of work he was doing with in regards to rocks and tackles. He knows uh, where he can make his impact, and that is with rocks and tackles. Uh, he, he knows w- where he plays best and what his strengths are. Um, and he's also a very, very good scrummager, especially for a young guy at age 21. Uh, I see him having a huge impact in Atlanta this year and, uh, you know, for many years as he is such a young guy. Um, and then the, the next guy I have is uh, Wilson Rabolo for Rooney. Um, you know, he's really the key, I think, behind Brazil uh, having a dominating scrum now. Uh, he's he's looked really strong last year when he was playing um, with Austin, which I think is why he got picked up by Rooney. Uh, he can play all three positions, tight head, loose head, uh, and hooker. Um, and he can either start or come off the bench. Um, and also I think he really is very hungry and has a lot to prove as – his season was cut short last year, as all of ours were. Um, but he's up in in America, and I think he really wants to play against the best uh, and, and prove that he should be considered one of the best scrummaging hookers or props in the league. Um, so I expect a lot out of him this year. Um, and then next, I think Devin Short at New Orleans was an extremely good signing. He's another really good young player who, unfortunately, you know, they just had so much depth at his position at San Diego and experience that he wasn't getting the time that he probably would have on most teams. Um, he's a, he's great around the pitch, getting turnovers, tackles, rucks, even running the ball. He's really good. He'll have a chance to play with Kyle Bailey. who's probably one of the most athletic, uh, locks slash loose forward in the game. Same with Nico Bursic, really tough guy. Cam Dolan also, and, you know, a USA stalwart, uh, who's probably the, one of the best running loose forwards in the league. I expect, uh, him to learn a lot from those group of guys. They have a really strong group of, of, uh, locks and loose floors down in Nola and uh, Devin Short fits in there very well. Right. I mean, a lot of young talent, again, is the common theme that I saw between you, well, between all of you, right? Is it, And of course, it has to be a balance of experience and youth. Now, when you talk about the youth and the players, I mean, 21 years old, you got another, if you're lucky, potentially 14 years of game, a game ahead of you. So that's fantastic to be able to get a player like that. Devin Short, I think, is 22 as well, uh, also super young. So excellent to be able to see that. Um, now, there are a lot of people who think that when you're starting to build a team, and not that you're building it from scratch, but when you look to be able to reinforce that team, you got to look to be able to look at that tight five uh, to be able to, you know, those players that you constantly need to be looking to be able to get new players uh, signed to your team, to bolster your team, Obviously, your experience uh, in, in, in the front row. Let's hear what your thoughts are, Parry. When you talk about building a team, do you agree that you should look at the type five first? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you, if you don't win the scrum, you can't win the game. So I, I think that is very important. But uh, also, you know, you, you obviously need good players at every position to be a really good team. Um, but especially, I would say, you know, as a 10 or a 9 or 15, I think those guys are equally as important 
as uh, a front row or, or a tight five. Um, but, you know, the engine room is definitely what wins you the game. You know, I think everyone will say that, you know, uh, if you ask Cahill Marsh, he, he would uh, he would agree. That's where the hard work is being done, right? Exactly. Just make it look good. <laughs> you know, and, and I just want to touch on a whole group of forwards over here, right? <laughs> right? So you're in a safe place, Anthony. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the 10, you can't like, you can't get around that. Like 10 right. and 15 are well, extremely important positions. You know? what, what's interesting is Anthony just ticked upon something I always harp on. And, and when you're building a team is that spine, right. we talked about it, the spine positions, you know, two, eight, nine, 10, 15, and then, and then you can begin to, I would start with a, a loose head from there and then work through some of the packies a little bit, but. Right. So you would pin the loose head as the most important position up front, which a lot of people do say, if you're going to pick one player over them all to be able to, to, to start with, it would probably be the Lucy, right? Um, and there's, there's a lot of reasoning behind that, but without a doubt, you know, the physicality of the positions and the nature of it becoming more and more of a specialist position as the years go by and the game becomes more modern, um, they're they're crucial, you know, just as important as having the 10, just as important as having the nine is having those specialists in the, in the front uh, row and, and, of course, others there. So, yeah, I mean, great points, but it was just interesting to be able to see that the majority of the guys that you had spoken about, of course, not only being young, but also being in the pack. And you know well, what? I want to do so- impact the game more, like you said. Like, if you have a front, if you like a guy like Jamie Dever, for example, like he could really change the OG's pack. And right. that probably the biggest, that was something they needed to strengthen the most. You know, they had a very right. good back line last year. Right. And as you said, you know, the importance of it cannot be understated. Uh, you got to win your lineouts, you got to win your scrums. I mean, I go back to what I know, just like uh, with, with, with all of you guys. And when I was watching the beginning of the season in 2024, the, the Raptors, it was awful dismal of performance in the scrums. I mean, I think it started at like a 60-something percent uh, win ratio, which is, I mean, really, you're, you're always on the back foot if you can't even win your scrums and you can't even get your set pieces right, right? Um, so, yeah, its importance cannot be understated. So it's inevitable that when you look at some of the most important or let's say not most important, but the, the signings that might very well have the greatest impact – are not necessarily always the the high-flying tens or the flashy backs. It's the guys that are doing a lot of the hard work that is not necessarily translated to the viewer on screen at home. So their value is very, very important, and that's why I'm happy you guys have actually shared that because it makes sense. And on that note, let's open it up to the rest of the floor for thoughts on, 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 on each other's uh, signings. Well, I just want to talk about Jonas real quick because it's interesting. We actually got to see him play last Saturday. Um, uh, a, oh, uh, right. rugby ATL had their black first silver uh match, really too. Nice. yeah. And it looked to me like they had um, their for their A squad front row versus their B squad front row, right? Jonas being in the B squad, he's new to the team, he's he's one of the, he's the youngest prop. Um, and even in the dismal conditions, that the front rows didn't go down once together. Um, and official uh, turf, right. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it was it was. I don't know if you guys saw the match. It was one knock after another because it was it literally torrential downpour. Go, yeah, yeah go, go back and yeah, yeah go back yeah, go back and watch it. But if you go and look at at that B squad, Jonas anchors that B squad front row, and they weren't moving backwards. And that's big. I mean, you got Chance on the other side. Um, I, I I've lost who was who else was on the other side for the life of me. But it was it was two guys that I went. 
this might be a problem for that front row. And they really held their own. So I think speaking about Jonas and actually getting to see him play, it translated really well. Right. So a couple of other names that I'd like to be able to throw out to you gentlemen to be able to get your thoughts. Um, Now, obviously, there have been a lot of signings that have been announced. Um, The ones that we're focusing on, again, just as a reminder for those that are watching the Rugby Red podcast now, uh, we're speaking uh, about players that have joined the league for the first time or have moved to a new team. Now, there are numerous and there will continue to be some. But a couple of names that are notable that I had written down that I thought would be worth mentioning. We actually spoke about it before we went on camera here. Um, one of them is Cecil Africa. Now, here you got an international Blitzbocker player for the Sevens program, successful among the successful, uh, most successful of, of that code of the game. Open it up to uh, the person who actually brought it up. Let's give it to Anthony. What is your thinkings about his signing moving over to uh, San Diego? Yeah, I, I think it's very huge for, for the sport in, in general to have a guy like that uh, come over uh, and play. Um, like I was saying before we started, you know, he, he for me, like he was definitely someone when Sevens was on TV, he was always, you know, making huge plays, especially with his trademarked uh, hair that he has. You could always find right. that pitch. Um, so for, a, for someone like me who, you know, 10 years ago I was watching the sport on, t- on TV a lot, I still am. I was watching, you know, what was being played, and that was sevens. I wouldn't say I'm watching too much sevens now. Uh, <laughs> to be able to play with a guy who I was watching on TV ten years ago, you know, that's a pretty impactful thing. You right. Know, my, yeah, my concern, and and no doubt I agree with Anthony on the fact that I think he's one of those signings that will really draw attention um, to the league. Right? You'll, you'll, I mean, notably in the sevens world, which. You know, maybe not in South Africa is quite as big, but certainly New Zealand, certainly Australia, and, and certainly in the UK, uh, it gets a lot of attention. Um, my concern with him is is injuries. He had quite a few injuries that really, you know, um, were at the end of his career. And I'm also concerned about um, his ability to make that game translate. Like he operated great with a lot of space, which obviously obviously speaks to the sevens game quite well. But you know, is he going to have that much space to operate in the fifteens game? And and quite frankly, I'm just interested to see how his game will translate. It'll certainly be exciting to watch, no doubt. Will his game translate? Will he be able to stay injury free? I mean, 100%. I agree with you. Will it translate? And by yeah. the way, I mean, could he be an impact player to come in, in the last 15 minutes? Well, this is actually what I'm tired? Going to say. Yeah. I mean, here you're talking about you talk about long in the tooth, right? You, you're talking about a guy that's had, oh my gosh, I mean, uh, let's say about in pro rugby, about 12 to 14 years in professional rugby, okay? Uh, I, I could be corrected on that, but let's say it's definitely more than a decade. And that's not uncommon for a lot of the players that are coming over here, but it's in a different code, which is entirely different. So now he has to make the transition back. And yes, does he need, given the right opportunity, given the right space, he's an electric player. He has the ability to be able to spot a gap. But you're talking about a guy that's accustomed to being able to play the same size field, but with half the amount of players. So yes, space is always available. But in the right conditions, in the right moment, as you pointed out, Rob, if you bring on a player in the last 20 minutes as an impact player, when the rest of the team is already fatigued by the first 60 minutes, those gaps and mismatches might exist that could be a playground for a player like that. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, interesting one. Another well, South African player that came over, and I wanted to be able to swing this one over to Scott. 
um, because I want to give hear your thoughts on this one. Sharks player Matembu, Tera Matembu, right? Making his way over to Free Jacks. Another great uh, player, a little bit younger, uh, but has 10 years of Super Rugby experience. What are your thoughts there? I mean, anybody you're getting from Super Rugby is have has, you know, probably the consummate professional experience. Uh, shout out to James Haskell. I've been reading his book, and he talked about going to play for Super Rugby, how different it was from playing in the Prem, oh, and, right. then going, and then going back to the Prem. And he said if, if he had not gone to Super Rugby or had not played in Japan uh, the year before he went to Super Rugby, um, he doesn't think he would be as great of a player as he was on the back end of his career because he knew he was, it was that iron sharpened iron thing where right. he, he was playing against the best in the professional setting and he could bring that experience back. So I think that's what's going to the free jacks right, right. now. It's also an entirely different way and philosophy about how we play our rugby. I mean, when you look at, oh man, now you could get into another hour long debate, right? So I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole, but yes, I understand what you're saying is, and it seems to be that the MLR, when we are drawing from international talent, it's going to be Southern Hemisphere. Now, there could be a multitude of different reasons why. You could talk about the connection to the ownership. You could talk about, you know, the favorable exchange rate. You could talk about, you know, many different things. But they all bring great value. So, you know, if a player even like Haskell, who's obviously got a great rugby resume, can see that value, of course, Major League Rugby can as well. So, gentlemen, I think that we can leave it with a final thought opportunity here. We'll start this round where we started it again. So, Rob, final thoughts. Uh, Final thoughts. I'm going to throw one more name to watch out for, Damian Stevens, uh, me being a national team player. And I think it it, it provides depth for Nola at number nine, and it'll push Holden Younger a little bit more. Excellent. Yeah. Um, So, obviously, you think Nola's got pretty much – everything they need to have. I mean, do you suspect that there are going to be some additional signings closer to the season? I mean, we were fortunate to talk with Tim Falcon, but he didn't share much. Well, and if you go back to that interview, remember what Tim did say is that pretty much he writes the checks and he lets Fitz do all the work. I love Um, that. And and (laughs) so he stays out of the way, which is good. But I think they're pretty much done signing, and I think they have added a lot of depth and a lot of quality across. the across. uh, We've talked about that in previous episodes. So right. I look for them to be a strong team in the East. Fantastic. So, Rob, I'm going to give you uh, – sorry, uh, Scott, I'm going to give you the same opportunity for a final thought, but I also want to hear what your thoughts are about Rooney and likewise for uh, for Anthony because that's what you boys know out there. Well, I know Rooney still has – I heard they have a huge international signing uh, up their sleeve. Don't know who it is. I still haven't figured out if it's if – it's, uh, the pack or the back line. But other than that, you know, there's a guy we weren't supposed to talk about or something. I think his name is Chris Robshaw. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him, Um, (laughs) but I I think he does bring that experience to, to a San Diego pack that I felt wasn't as robust uh, missing Patty Ryan up front. And while flankers don't really, you know, I'd say flankers are really 40% push and 60% defense, you know, and offense, you got to get the ball. You got to make the tackle on the opposite end. Um, I think, the little tips and tricks as a as a professional and with all of his experience that he can give to the to the pack is something that's invaluable in San Diego. Right, absolutely. So let me throw a question back to you before we move it over to Anthony. Uh, who do you think overall, as it stands, has made the best choices uh, in twenty twenty one signings? I mean, right now San Diego is killing it. I mean, they got the the the, the pack signings, they got the backline signings. Um, you know, losing JP Duplessis and and backing it up with right. uh, Cecil Africa. And, and and the one thing about Cecil Africa playing sevens, my question is, 
maybe his his being long in the tooth isn't that big of a deal because he hasn't taken the lumps that most players have playing 15s. So it's almost like to equate it in the NFL. He's going to have to add about 15 to 20 pounds. Well, I want to equate it to the NFL a little bit. If you have a running back who was injured, that's 200 to 300 carries that that guy didn't have in a particular year. And that prolongs his career. So the same thing I would think with the sevens player, you're not taking X amount of hits playing 15s all the time. So maybe the the decline isn't as steep. That's a fair point. It is absolutely true, you know, and and that's how you can have players continue their career until 34, 35 um, because of that level of physicality is different. Let's hand it over to Anthony. Final thoughts. And then also I want to be able to hear who you believe has made some of the best moves for 2021. Uh, Well, first, I think it's kind of uh, interesting that we haven't heard anything really out of Seattle. You know, they are the two-time reigning champ of the, the MLR, and they've been relatively quiet, quiet this offseason. If you go to Seattle, we still claim the 2021. 20, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What, we were about to play them. I don't know what was going to end up happening. It's just because, well, if this was an asterisk on the season, does it stay with them for 2020? <laughs> I mean, no one's unseated them yet, so I, I think they are the, the reigning champs. So, uh the ch- the way to the, the championship definitely goes through there, so I think we should be mindful of what they're doing. And and uh, you know, Keys is a good coach, a tough coach, so I'm sure that they'll they'll have uh, some stuff up the, up their sleeve uh, as well. Um, I think the the team that's made the best moves definitely Rooney got a shout out to Greg, Marty, and uh, Steve Lewis. They've done a really good job of putting together the lizard. Uh, a high flying uh, a squad. Um, in with you know our forward pack and our uh, we have a lot of new additions in the back line and I really expect uh, those guys to to be very very uh, great players so I'm I'm really excited right. that I get to get to and play. I'm sure that there are some special uh, announcements to be coming well before I mean of course there's a long time between now and the start of next season so we will stay tuned and we will be sharing that of course the rugby rant stays on top of everything major league rugby and beyond as we have now expanded the conversation to include rugby in general for north america so gentlemen once again thank you for the opportunity to share your thoughts on one of the top signings to the major league rugby league and of course uh we've covered uh your choices you said uh well Rob, I didn't actually ask, but I just assumed it was that. Um, <laughs> but we know balance, people. balance, balance, boys. <laughs> right, exactly, and consistency, consistency, consistency. Right. <laughs> so, once again, thank you very much for watching this round of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. You've been sharing this opportunity to learn from Rob Hammerschmidt, Scott Ferrara, Anthony Perry, and myself, Ty Brog, your host for this event. Stick around as we're going to move on to the next topic to learn about the best rugby stadiums for 2021 in the MLR. We'll be back after these few short messages from our sponsor. Hey, Rugby Rant fans, welcome back to, of course, the Rugby Rant podcast show with your team. You got myself, Ty Braga, the host for today's activities, alongside Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, Scott the Big Guy Ferrara, and joining us for this rant in this rugby debate episode, we got Anthony Parry from Rugby United New York and HPM. So we have brought these guys back in the second round of this episode to be able to find out what they believe are the best stadiums in Major League Rugby for the 2021 season. Now, before we jump into it, we're going to qualify this by letting you know as the viewer that they had the opportunity to choose their favorite 
out of all the stadiums, and that's the one they're going to rant about before we hit open format and talk about some of the other notable mentions for 2021. So to be able to kick off this round, we're going to hand it over to the big guy himself to find out what's the weather like over there. All right, baby, we're staying hot today. So (laughs) you know what you guys are getting in my two minutes? You're getting a straight-up homer pick. MCU (laughs) Park, I'm challenging everybody. MCU Park is the best MLR stadium to play in. Bunch of reasons. One, I mean, it's in New York City, the number one place on earth. Who doesn't want to go to the five boroughs? Have you ever been to friggin' Coney Island? It's gorgeous, especially in the summer. Now that they push back the MLR season, forget about it. You have girls in bikinis. You have guys like Anthony Parry and their budgie smugglers. You got Nathan's hot dogs a block away. You have, when you are watching the match, you have the cyclone directly behind the field of play, and you're watching these kids scream their head off as a cyclone is going off, just like my parents screamed uh, in the 70s uh, when they were going on the cyclone. Um, it's a great place to watch a match. You have that, the water right there, gorgeous view. You have the backdrop of New York City behind you. You have that old style of, of Brooklyn, Coney Island going on. If you've never been to New York, it's a, it's a great place to go just to see some history of New York. They still have some great old buildings there. And obviously, Rooney plays there. So why wouldn't you friggin' go there? Let's be quite honest. Um, the other thing is, uh, w- one of the features of, of MCU Park, Coney Island Brewing Company is actually in the park. So what we do is we have our pre-match beers over at Coney Island Brewing Company. We walk ourselves down the Rooster Boosters down to uh, the gate. We all hop in for the match. And then we have our social at... Uh, um, at the bar next door and all the players come and it's just a great time. It's a great atmosphere um, from pre-match to post-match in Coney Island, New York City, the greatest place on earth, baby. It's, well, it's, it's easy to get to, isn't it? Yorker, right? That's easy place to get to, isn't it? You just take, yeah, you take the subway. Yeah, take right. the train. How long does that take you there, uh, big guy? For uh, me, we have to realize, for, for me, I live like, you know, two hours north of the city. So it's a trek for me. But that's why I was voted the number one so fan you, you have to leave the day before and hope that some hobo lets you use his tent, you know. What are you talking about? You, oh, have, yeah. you have five-star hotels in the in the, in the the two, three boroughs you're, you're next to. What do you think? A tent? Okay. So let's be honest. Okay. It's, okay. it's a good place with a great setting. The atmosphere is probably outstanding, as you pointed out. I mean, any place that has its brew, its beer brewed on site is already a winner for me. Uh, you couldn't get any fresher, right? Um, but it's a unique setting. It's a part of the culture of the city. Yes, absolutely. As a fan, great experience, most likely. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested because when you started that, you said as a player. So we're going to swing around, and I'm sure when Anthony has his opportunity to speak, he's going to talk about it from that perspective as a player, not only there but elsewhere as well. But I wanted to be able to, to that point, the counter-argument, it obviously, with MCU Park being converted baseball field, it had in last season um, – actually, sorry, season before and last season maybe the, – the infield uh, was still present. You know, the markings there, the field setup was slightly different. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it is a, a pretty tough destination for a lot of fans to be able to get to. What's your thoughts over there in that regard, Scott? Are, are you really – that's the excuse you're using? Because the No, I'm just saying. Have you seen Starfire Stadium with the amount of lines they have on that field? They play rugby. They play field hockey. They play soccer. I think they play volleyball or badminton or some shit on that goddamn pitch. So, I mean, you're going to complain about – the fact that the infield kind of skews the, the the pitch a little bit while you're at the stadium, give me a break. Well, I'm curious, how tough is that ground that, that it is then? No, you know, it's I mean, it's turf. It's turf. 
The only thing that's not turf at MCU Park is the pitching mound. So it's okay. grassy turf, just like every other stadium. All right. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you're talking about converted stadiums and things like that. NOLA is another example who have moved over to the shrine on airline, otherwise known as the gold mine, right? So, yes, it's possible. It is done. I wonder who's going to pick that I know that we've had you on record in the past, Scott, as saying they need to find a new stadium. Yeah, because I'm sick and tired of driving two and a half hours. Again, <laughs> Whoa, for personal so reasons. Now that is a problem. No, but you, no it's, a, it's a problem because okay. I live two hours away. Well, you can if I live, if I, if I lived closer, if I live closer, I'm tech. Most people from the Bronx would say I live in upstate New York. Right. You know? okay. so you have to realize that. Effective. I get you. I get yeah, you. So, right. so if I already live an hour from Manhattan, I have to drive now an hour and a half, two hours to get to the stadium. Most people who are living in the five boroughs take the A train, Anthony Perry, to get there and they play and they watch, and they have fun. The other thing is, the most unique thing is that wind coming off a of center field goes right down the middle of that pitch. And uh, if you don't pick the right half at the correct time, oof. Right. That's that's, uh, knowing the lay of the land, then that you make those choices right up front. Let's swing it over your shoulder to Rob. Let's see what you've got to share. I, you know, I, I purposely uh, tried to avoid being a homer and not pick Nola. Um, I went a little bit different. Um, and And now, keep in mind, 2021, we're going to be having a, a season that starts at the end of March. So uh, the weather sh- for this one should be much better. Uh, and I'm going with Lamport Stadium in Toronto, Canada. And I'm going that way. Oh, Rob, you were right. I didn't think you would pick that one. See? That was I my was- second. I, I thought he was going to go with Aviva, but then I'm like, mm, Lamport was a good. The, the downside of this place is that, you know, like most uh, stadiums in MLR, they have the bench-style seating. And Aviva's nice because they have the bucket-style seats. It is a little bit older stadium, but here's what I like about it. It's on Lake Ontario, phenomenal setting, and it's going to be particularly impressive during the summer, you know, June, July, August, right, in the, in the heat of the season. All right. They have phenomenal restaurants in the area. Tim Horton's Coffee House right down the street. <laughs> you got your chic eatery. Uh, in in school, it's called school. Uh, you got uh, you like this one, big guy, Caffino, an Italian hotspot there in Toronto. Uh, you got Liberty Commons for craft beer. Yes, they have craft beer there. The Bracenet Irish Pub, um, and uh, you know what? It's it's a great location, and it's a big shout out. She just had her fiftieth birthday, Karen Gasparino, and I got it right this time. I picked her stadium because it has all that we're looking for. Okay. So first off, let me give you two points. The first of which is for your obvious uh, effort in research commended there. You, you, you not only should be working for the Toronto tourism board, (laughs) but you could be hosting the tours yourself. Now, secondly, but yes, um, However, it does depend heavily on the weather aspect. Yeah. You know, even if you do start in March, you can still see snow on the, on, on the ground in March in Toronto. Yes, they're hopeful it won't happen, uh, uh, but most parts of the country, as we know, that's a challenge for it, but even more so of a challenge being our, our neighbor to the north, right? I, I'm going to add one more piece. They've seat 9,000. The nice thing is, is that they may not fill it now, but there's opportunity for growth until they can maybe think about renovation or doing something else. So they do have an alternate venue as well that they've used, which is, I'm not sure now, and maybe you can help me here. I think there's one that's an even larger stadium, right? 
or is it would it be a smaller capacity than Lamport? I don't I had I thought I had notes for it, but I don't. But my point remains is that they actually had they they were split between two venues uh of the of the past season, depending on on where it falls. But I understand Lamport uh, is kind of the preferred venue. And another team that has had that in the past kind of has the backup. Um so where is my uh, my notes of you? Obviously, New Orleans moved across recently um, from their previous stadium, uh, the Shaw High School, I think it was. Right. So, yeah, there's been some big changes. And in 2020, um, you know, those were big, big, big changes for a lot of these teams. But let's, you know, look at it from a different perspective. And let's hand it over to uh, to Anthony and tell us what you think. And I know from as a player's point of view, you can recognize it in a completely different manner. So help us recognize some of those those stadiums that have great value. Um, okay, well, I've, I thought maybe I would pick my number one first. Obviously, New York. Right. Uh, have, I, I love playing there. It's an iconic view from the stadium of uh, – um, Sorry, of the Cyclone uh, and the in- entire Coney Island theme park. Uh, Nathan's Hot Dogs is right there. Um, I mean, that's what you think of when you think of Coney Island. You have the boardwalk, the beach. Uh, you have the best fans uh, in the best city in the world. Uh, so that's definitely my number one. Um, for my next one, I, th- uh, I would actually say Zion's Bank Stadium in Utah is a really awesome place to play. Uh you know, you don't know if you're going to get three feet of snow when you go there, which I think, <laughs> you know, kind of it's kind of cool actually to to get those elements while you're playing. You get an amazing view of the Wasatch Mountains uh, from the back of the stadium. Uh, you're playing at elevation, which always makes it tough. Um, and they have they they pack the house too with a you know five thousand uh, person stadium, so they have really good fans out there. Uh, I think that probably doesn't get t- talked about enough. The rugby culture in Utah is huge, uh, and right. they definitely back their team um, out there. And as far as Toronto goes, I when we stayed when we played out there last in in 2019, it definitely was not a 9,000 person stadium. Uh, they definitely had great fans though, um, and it was we didn't win. It was a it's a hard place to win uh, in Toronto. And uh, the Rooney Toronto games always curse. As well, it's been uh, canceled and postponed many times. Uh, I I really like all the parks. Aviva too. That's a really magnificent place to play. The it's grass, which uh, is unique. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Really, one of the rugby only. It's I think it's the only rugby only stadium uh, in the USA right now. Besides in um, Major League uh, Rugby, yeah, Major League Rugby, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I was going to say infinity. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll get a, a major league rugby game there this year. Maybe not. Um, that would be, I think, is probably the iconic American rugby stadium. Right. Where not, not, not many teams have gone there and beaten uh, the Raptors. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, talking about rugby specific stadiums, right. Aviva, obviously we've got to be able to recognize the Sabercats have made that in addition to, to infinity park. And when they were with the Raptors, in the absence of them, they're the only purpose rugby built stadium for major league rugby right now that, you know, everything they do is rugby centric. Fantastic. So obviously we need more of these stadiums and it's a massive commitment to be able to say, okay, we're in for major league rugby or we're in for rugby for the long haul. So I love that. Right. Um, another team you, you spoke about was Utah. Now Utah recently revealed their plans to be able to build their own stadium. While it will be a multi-purpose stadium, that organization that runs it will still be rugby-centric. So, yes, other stadiums are multi-purpose, 
And however, their priority is not rugby. And in this case, it would be, at least it's perceived as such that it would be for, for Utah. But that plan is only to be able to come to fruition come 2023. And as it stands, they don't even have a location in mind, right? So, but they do have the audience. This is what uh, Anthony had pointed out. They do have among the highest recorded attendances on average for any major league regular season game. Um, so, yes, they've got the support, they've got the grounds, um, they've got the ability, and they're ready to invest. If every team had the same thing, man, we would be in a completely different landscape for rugby as a whole, uh, not only for for the U.S., but for North America as a whole, that they can successfully provide a platform to actually host profitable rugby. Um, that is amazing, right? So. But I also wanted to kind of circle back around to your your thoughts about MCU Park, Anthony. Um, so one of the good things is is that it has an audience, uh, sorry, a, a capacity of seven thousand. Obviously, it's not near there at the moment, but I love the fact that there's room to grow. So it means that they it's going to be a long time before they decide they outgrow it if it's about capacity. But what they may end up outgrowing is the location, getting there. And then also the possible conflict with the season moving further back with a minor league baseball team. Again, remind me who is the the occupants there? The Cyclones. Uh, the, the Cyclones, right? So, what are your thoughts in that regard? I guess this could probably be to to Scott or to uh, Anthony. Uh well, I, you know, I'm I'm not really in in any of those high level uh, conversations, um, but I think right now it suits us uh, just fine, and you know, just being there. The quality of the stadium is so high that uh, when you walk in there, you you really feel like a high quality player, which I think is incredibly important. Right. So that air about it, like, eh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the lot, like I, we definitely have like the lot, the nicest locker rooms in in, in right. the entire league. Uh, a lot of the ni- the nicest uh, and the highest quality amenities, um, which is what you think of when you think of New York. So I think it's very representative of our city right. and our team. Uh, so. At the moment, that's where we're playing, and uh, and it's good rugby there. If, if maybe if there was another location they were thinking about playing, I could talk about it. But uh-huh. uh, as far as I know, we're not, and uh, I'm all in with MCU Park. So, Scott, let me just swing it over to you very briefly. We don't have to dwell on it, but I know that it could be a concern with the season moving to a later start. And I, I think we had spoken about it a few episodes back. Do you think that's going to be relevant in 2021? Well, it, it might and it might not. So what I've been researching is the way the MLB is going to uh, set up their farm league teams is it's kind of been the Wild West. Um, you've had teams that have had like the Cyclones, a shortened season that goes from June to August and this, that, and the other thing. What the MLB is trying to do is to corral that and tell the teams, the MLB teams, that all your minor league teams have to run from uh, the, the spring season to the to the September season. Um, they had, they can't do any of these short leagues right now. You can have your triple, your double, your single. They have to be affiliated with a team. So it's going to change the landscape of the way baseball is playing. So I'm not quite sure if the Cyclones will be playing there in 2021. Right. It and you might not have. Sorry, to, 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 to just to build on your point. Also, I mean, Major League Rugby, uh, sorry, um, uh, MLB, uh, man, why am I getting tongue tied now? The minors, right? Those mi- uh, minor league teams. 
like the Cyclones, they're also happy to be able to have another tenant, right? So you'd have to think that they want to be able to work with a team like that to be able to work the schedule rather than potentially losing a long-term client, right? Because what would the alternative be? They have to carry all the costs. This way, it makes sense for them to be able to work with uh, with the league to be able to find a calendar that suits both parties. And here, I just want to touch on three different things. One, LA is going to be playing in the LA Coliseum. That's right. just friggin' cool. We know they're not going to fill seventy-eight thousand people, right? Yeah, I mean, when we know they're yeah, we know they're not going to be a capacity. And to be honest, me as a fan, I don't care. LA Coliseum's iconic. Um, it's a good place to play. Number two, uh, the OGs playing at Catholic University right now. That's a great venue for them. Two to three years from now, I'm not so sure as the league grows and as the team fans right. grow. But having that section, that standing um, room only section on that fence is great for the fans to be up close. I mean, they're like five meters away from the field. So I know the players can feel that intensity. Number three, shout out to Heaps Meat Pies, the official meat pie sponsor of Rugby ATL. <laughs> How awesome is that, that they're selling meat pies in the friggin' parking lot of Rugby ATL games like it's going out style, baby. Well, you <laughs> how they sell them right behind the try line. So. Exactly. <laughs> Score try James Rochford and grab a meat nice. pie. And, and, and they also sell some biltong too. There's uh there's a, a former Linenwood guy who sells biltong right now there. You're speaking my he, language, man. That's his man. He, went, he quit his job. He quit his job because he was do, <laughs> doing so well selling biltong at rugby. Man, Years and years ago, I was fortunate enough to be able to go see Jake White uh, uh, coaching the Springboks playing against Wales in Cardiff, right? Millennium Stadium nice. years, and years ago. It was a great experience because much like it is here, there's a lot of South Africans who enjoy rugby over there and have emigrated. So I remember when I was walking to the stadium, there was a Boudreaux stand on that corner, Botol stand on that corner, and the commentator over the PA system before the game started said, this is in danger of becoming a home game for the box. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand that when you get it, it's just like it's something that's so entrenched in us that, yeah, it's a part of that experience. And when you talk about like Nathan's hot dogs being a part of the experience, if you come to New York, you can't miss out on an opportunity like that. And I'm sure it would be the same when Chicago eventually hope you have as a team. I don't know what it will be. Maybe it's the deep dish. But there's something that 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 helps build that identity. And if you can include that in the game day experience, that helps that uh, environment grow for rugby fans. The OG are doing it great by having the fans on the sideline. Um, the optics are good. We've spoken about this before. Um, you know, I wanted to be able to jump into some other notables. So we've spoken about at Atlanta, um, Rugby A2O. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm sure you want to be able to share something, uh, Rob. But Lupo Family Field, you know, uh, 2,500 capacity. Again, another small venue that if you could pack it out, what a great atmosphere, Rob. Um, yeah, and and I just want to throw a shout out. It's Biltong Billy. So if you guys haven't tried it, uh, it's it's phenomenal. The LU boys are buying it like by the pounds. It's ridiculous. And and they played. They went down there and played life, and then they loaded up on Biltong and they drove back on the bus to Missouri. It was pretty impressive. All right. But um, I want to touch upon and get back to to the roots uh, to the gold mine. Um, uh, what I think is notable uh, is that. Um, uh, Nola in their first two seasons, they ran at about 900 to a thousand a match. As soon as the, the gold mine opened, they were at 3,500. 
And I think that speaks to a location. Um, you know, it's it's near the airport, so you've got pretty good access. It's it's um, you know uh, they changed the banks, so they're no longer on these banks. It's on the West Bank now, and um, they're gonna. It, it's grass, uh, one of the rarities in the league that you right. have a stadium that's grass, and they're going to be, as Tim talked about, going to be converting that to a rugby only facility, so it's not doesn't have the shape of a baseball field. And then they're going to be adding some other facilities. Uh, and support around it, like league offices, practice facilities, things like that. Right. I mean, the only the only thing you don't have is you don't have that centralized location uh, to downtown New Orleans. But um, it's not a huge town, so you can get back and they forth. They can recreate that festival yeah. vibe in the stands. And they have. Benji's talked about it. Right. You know, the first season for a few games, and I do feel like they do have that festival vibe all the time right. down there. You know, you guys have the band playing before the game. Uh, you definitely have some of the best fans as well down in Ola. So I just want to say I appreciate uh, all the fans down there. And uh, I'll say our team, Rooney, we were chanting uh, some of your chants for the, you know, entire season after we played there. So you guys definitely uh, have a very good uh, fan base and great culture there. Right. And that that adds to the experience, not only for those that are attending, but like you said, as a player, to be a part of that. Uh, is great when you go to a, a, a you know a location that has that wonderful rugby atmosphere. Um, talking about Nola though, and and Rob, you made some good points that they're looking to be able to add to that facility because they want a long term tenant there, and this is something that uh, Tim Falcon had shared with us on the Rugby Rant uh, a couple of weeks ago. But another great point there is when you think about the longevity in mind, there are 10,000 seat a stadium with the ability to also add additional seats on the opposite side of the field, right? That that is an unused uh, turf. So yeah, there's tremendous growth opportunity there. They, you know, Tim Falcon said it was it was a godsend that they could move to that location and the city that you know it's it's owned by the city, so you know they can be a long term tenant if and, they and, have a relationship. And and I just want to add one of the things that's notable is when you have multiple tenants. The downside is what happened in Starfire in 2019, if you recall, because it was a really close contest uh, in right. terms of who was going to qualify for the playoffs. And I know Rooney worked themselves right into that position at the very end. Actually, there's pictures of Shane Skinner on the telephone trying to see when they can play their match because um, because Starfire is used as a soccer facility as well. So to have a workaround and navigate the landscape of that is kind of challenging, whereas NOLA, it's only going to be for um, for the goal. Which I believe at the time. I be- stretch the terminology of say that this is essentially the second purpose rugby stadium, not purpose built, but it is the second purpose right. Uh, well, Perfect. Perfect. Focus, or should we say? And just to to reach on that, there the what they were going to do was give the opponent the opposing team the home field match because they they were thinking right. they couldn't get it done. Okay, so gentlemen, good points on those ones. I want to do a quick fire round of the ones that we uh, that we've missed, uh, at least the bulk of them, and get your opinion. So I'm just going to swing it around the table here and throw a name out at you and give me your short brief thoughts. So let's start uh, again with Scott, where we started this round. Austin, tell me your thoughts on Bold Stadium that they recently adopted as their home. Uh, again, I think it's a great stadium. I think what Texas is doing with their stadiums is amazing. And knowing some AGs fans, I know they get that place rocking, so I'm excited for it. Right, fantastic. So, you know, it's a 5,000-seater stadium. Um, it's also natural grass, which is another one that's important to be able to take note of that I enjoy. Of course, every rugby player and fan 
traditionalist will enjoy that. Uh, let's swing one over to Parry and let's see. Oh, you know what? You said you played there. I know we're kind of stretching the terminology here, but it could be used as a neutral venue. Let's go with Infinity Park. Uh, Infinity Park, I, I, like I said earlier, I, I love that stadium. I mean, I think it would be interesting to see, uh, to play there without a, a Colorado team being, being on the field. Um, because they do have great fans, so I don't know right. how that would be missing if it was just two kind of random playoff teams or whatever type of game would be played there. Um, but I think it is an, it's an iconic rugby park in in the USA. There's been many many great games played there, national championship games, right. uh, United States games. Um, so I, I would love another opportunity to play there, maybe finally get get that win that's been evading me my entire rugby career. Uh, <laughs> like you said, a tough place to go and play rugby, right? Oh, it, it definitely is. I mean, the, the Raptors have a very strong record of, of winning games there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's right. one of my favorite places. Well, to go in 2020, play. they managed to be able to edge out uh, Toronto to be able to stop their unbeaten run. So that was the last game before shutting it down. Uh, and so at least they ended with a W. All right, I'm going to swing it over to uh, to Rob. Uh, Rob, uh, let me, let's talk about uh, Free Jack Stadium in Weymouth. <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, they never got to play a home game. They haven't had a home game yet, so it's it's hard to be able to evaluate any kind uh-huh. of stadium or facility uh, when they haven't actually had a chance to host a crowd and to give us a feel for what the vibe is going to right. be on game day. Right. So it's really hard to give an assessment of that. Um, you know, um, from what I understand, they were supposed to, it's, they sold out season tickets for their opener. So no doubt it was going to be an excellent crowd. And I think uh, that crowd would have been absolutely raucous on top of it. Uh, but I, I'm really interested to see what that place looks like during a game because we just right. haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. And so it I'm might not. very well be similar to like Old Glory. Um, it's a smaller stadium. It's obviously converted. It's a multi-purpose stadium. So, yes, the criticism for a lot of these these type of stadiums that are being erected or at least they're using something that they have to add seats to is like, you know, the cross hatchings on the field. It's very confusing for, for, for players and fans. And especially right. if you're new to the sport, to be able to see the markings of lacrosse, the markings of soccer, the markings of rugby, it can be very disorientating for you on the field and as a player and then the optics on TV. But perhaps the necessary evil where rugby is right now in the U.S. that they can't have, you know, not everybody can have their own Aviva Stadium or their own Infinity Park where they own the stadium, right, and they own the grounds. So, yeah, maybe a necessary evil where it stands at, at the moment. Let's, here, let's put it this way. The, the big guy is going to be doing some recon next season for that Rooney uh, Free Jacks match. So I'll definitely let you guys know. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay, and, okay, so watch this space. You know, we've talked about Aviva a little bit, but really haven't talked about it. Right. And I think one of the things Purpose Built has a great seating. It's new. They have an opportunity to actually add seats as the crowds grow. Uh-huh. The, the knock as I did my research is it's really in the middle of nowhere. And for me, one of the things that defines an awesome it, uh, it, an awesome stadium is an awesome experience. And part of that awesome experience is not just the crowd that fills it, but it's the pregame and postgame experience. And quite frankly, places like um, you know places like Rooney, when you're playing there, Coney Island, great experience. Obviously, you guys have talked about that. 
Um, but then being able to go out in the nightlife, that's why I picked Toronto in part. I know that you guys talked about uh, in Salt Lake City there, uh, the stadium there, and Infinity Park has that too. So, um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to create that buzz right. around it. It's but difficult it's because you have to be able to, to, to think, I mean, you bring up a great point. You have to be able to design it as a rugby destination and not really as a part of an entertainment hub. You know, the reason that so many events are hosted in Vegas, now we're not going to talk about Vegas as a stadium because it's just a non-issue at this time, but, you know, it's an entertainment hub. Let's ask Ben Foden. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just just thinking about what's around it because, yes, then it can be a game day experience. You can walk through the streets of, you know, Coney Island, go and experience the amusement park, you know, these type of things that are part of the experience that you don't necessarily get at every stadium. Now, while say NOLA doesn't necessarily have that, they recreate that atmosphere in the stadium. So it's a lot of pressure to be able to do that. You have to create an identity first, then you have to create an energy around that identity. So there's a lot of steps before you can get there eventually um, that, you know, there'll be part of the growing pains in a league like it is where it is right now. So gentlemen, I think it's time for the final thoughts we all know your final, uh, uh, your first pick, should we say? Uh, but where do you think teams should be looking ahead now? If we look at five and ten years, what should we be aiming for? Let's start it off with Scott. When MCUs are rocking, don't come a knocking, baby. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> all right, short and sweet. I like it. All right, let's go ahead and hand it over to Anthony. Uh, let's see what you've got to be able to share. Uh, well, one thing, uh, one stadium we didn't really uh, touch upon too much was uh, right, San Diego, and I, they definitely they definitely get a lot of wins out there in San Diego, and they sell out. You know, they have guys dressed up as uh, members of the Legion. Uh, it's a great place to play. Uh, so I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Uh, right, it is a great facility, and its bonus is, of course, the weather. It's reliable, at least. Um, and it has been chosen as a championship final location. So, yes, there's definitely merit in saying that that is one we of the We have great fans, too. So right, absolutely. And the attendance, 6,000, right, I think is their capacity. Uh, there is plans, apparently, in the future to be able to expand to 8,500. But where it stands now, if they can consistently be doing more than – if any team can consistently be doing more than 50% occupancy for uh, uh, home games – that's a great position. Unfortunately, now for a lot of them, it's at 20 or 30%. You know, once you start looking at getting over 50% and there's a very short list that achieved that, um, you know, then then you can look at expanding and look at the longevity. But maybe it's about consolidating what you have, putting bums in seats, giving them the greatest experience. Again, I want to give Rob an opportunity to share your thoughts. No, I was just going to say, you know, uh, the big guy is doing some recon this season. I'm planning on my own recon. I'm going to actually get down to NOLA and check out the gold mine. Uh, and uh, share a couple uh, pints with Benji and Adrian and 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 my boy Dougie. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to taking uh, uh, taking that opportunity, maybe engage in the second line and join myself uh, down there right around Mardi Gras time. Hopefully, right. Share your first hand experience when talking about the gold mine on the next yeah. occasion, gentlemen. It has been an interesting debate. It has been hard to be able to find a clear winner on this round, but it is important that we do find one. So, you know what? I think in the absence of having one clear favorite, I'm going to give the benefit here to our guest. That's very kind of you. I I think you guys uh, were great competition. Always love taking a W, though. 
Right. Think of where you can get it, right? I mean, this one's more sweet than all the others. No, that was very kind of you. That was very kind of you. Right. Okay. Well, we try to be uh, uh, to to share tri- charity on the show and give back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, is that what you've been doing when you've been giving Scott the the, the trophy? A couple right. Times? But nevertheless, that brings me to another important point. Before we head out, I want to be able to remind everybody that when we look at these shirts, when you see them, there we have it. They all are for charity in aid of Susan, Drew, uh, uh, Susan G. Common uh, Foundation, of course, also the Breast Cancer. Awareness Foundation as well. Uh, it's for a good cause. 10% of every uh, sale is going towards that through the rugbyshop.com, whether it be our gear here on the Rugby Rant or it be the MLR who are also doing a very similar thing to be able to give back through cancer research. Go ahead and give while you get something back in return. And of course, we uh, thank you very much for doing so. On behalf of myself, Ty Braga, your host for this episode of the Rugby Rant, I want to be able to say thank you on behalf of Rob Hammerschmidt, Scott Ferrara, and Anthony Parry. You have been watching us here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, and we'll see you at the next one. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.